Part 1, Chapter 20 of 800 Leagues on the Amazon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jacob Miller. 800 Leagues on the Amazon by Jules Verne. Part 1, Chapter 20, Between the Two Men. For a moment, alone in the room, where none could see or hear them, Jomgural and Torres looked at each other without uttering a word. Did the adventurer hesitate to speak? Did he suspect that Jomgural would only reply to his demands by a scornful silence? Yes, probably so. So Torres did not question him. At the outset of the conversation he took the affirmative and assumed the part of an accuser. "'Jome,' he said, "'your name is not Garol. "'Your name is da Costa.' "'At the guilty name which Torres thus gave him, "'Jome Garol could not repress a slight shudder. "'You are Jome da Costa,' continued Torres, "'who twenty-five years ago "'were a clerk in the Governor-General's office at Tijuco.' "'and you are the man who was sentenced to death "'in this affair of the robbery and murder.' "'No response from Joan Garal, "'whose strange tranquillity surprised the adventurer. "'Had he made a mistake in accusing his host? "'No, for Joan Garal made no start at the terrible accusations. "'Doubtless he wanted to know to what Torres was coming. "'Joan da Costa, I repeat. "'It was you,' whom they sought for this diamond affair, whom they convicted of crime and sentenced to death, and it was you who escaped from the prison at Villa Rica a few hours before you should have been executed. Do you not answer? Rather a long silence followed this direct question, which Torres asked. Joan Gural, still calm, took a seat. His elbow rested on a small table, and he looked fixedly at his accuser without bending his head. "'Will you reply?' repeated Torres. "'What reply do you want from me?' said Joan quietly. "'A reply,' slowly answered Torres, "'that will keep me from finding out the chief of the police at Manaos, "'and saying to him, "'A man is there whose identity can easily be established, "'who can be recognized even after twenty-five years' absence, "'and this man was the instigator of the diamond robbery at Tijuco.' He was the accomplice of the murderers of the soldiers of the escort. He is the man who escaped from execution. He is Jom Garol, whose true name is Jom da Costa. And so, Torres, said Jom Garol, I shall have nothing to fear from you if I give you the answer you require. Nothing, for neither you nor I will have any interest in talking about the matter. Neither you nor I. "'asked Joan Garol. "'It is not with money, then, that your silence is to be bought?' "'No, no matter how much you offered me.' "'What do you want, then?' "'Joan Garol,' replied Torres, "'here is my proposal. "'Do not be in a hurry to reply by a formal refusal. "'Remember that you are in my power.' "'What is this proposal?' asked Joan. Torres hesitated for a moment. 
The attitude of this guilty man, whose life he held in his hands, was enough to astonish him. He had expected a stormy discussion and prayers and tears. He had before him a man convicted of the most heinous of crimes, and the man never flinched. At length, crossing his arms, he said, You have a daughter. I like her, and I want to marry her. Apparently, Joan Garral expected anything from such a man, and was as quiet as before. And so, he said, the worthy Torres is anxious to enter the family of a murderer and a thief? I am the sole judge of what it suits me to do, said Torres. I wish to be the son-in-law of Joan Garral, and I will. You ignore, then, that my daughter is going to marry Manuel Valdez. You will break it off with Manuel Valdez. And if my daughter declines? If you tell her all, I have no doubt she would consent, was the impudent answer. All? All, if necessary. Between her own feelings and the honor of her family and the life of her father, she would not hesitate. You are a consummate scoundrel, Torres quietly said Joan, whose coolness never forsook him. A scoundrel and a murderer were made to understand each other. At these words, Joan Gural rose, advanced to the adventurer, and looking him straight in the face, Torres, he said, if you wish to become one of the family of Joan da Costa, you ought to know that Joan da Costa was innocent of the crime for which he was condemned. Really? And I add, replied Joan, that you hold the proof of his innocence, and are keeping it back to proclaim it on the day when you marry his daughter. Fair play, Joan girl, answered Torres, lowering his voice, and when you have heard me out, you will see if you dare refuse me your daughter. I am listening, Torres. Well, said the adventurer, half keeping back his words, as if he was sorry to let them escape from his lips. I know you are innocent. I know it, for I know the true culprit, and I am in the position to prove your innocence. And the unhappy man who committed the crime is dead. Dead, exclaimed Joan Goral, and the word made him turn pale, in spite of himself as if it had deprived him of all power of reinstatement. Dead, repeated Torres, but this man, whom I knew a long time after his crime, and without knowing that he was a convict, had written out at length in his own hand the story of this affair of the diamonds, even to the smallest details. Feeling his end approaching, he was seized with remorse. He knew where Joam da Costa had taken refuge, and under what name the innocent man had again begun a new life. He knew that he was rich in the bosom of a happy family, but he knew also that there was no happiness for him, and this happiness he desired to add to the reputation to which he was entitled. But death came. He entrusted to me, his companion, to do what he could no longer do. He gave me the proofs of da Costa's innocence for me to transmit them to him, and he died. The man's name, explained Joan Garral in a tone he could not control. You will know it when I am one of your family. And the writing? 
Joan Garon was ready to throw himself on Torres, to search him, to snatch from him the proofs of his innocence. "'The writing is in a safe place,' replied Torres, "'and you will not have it until your daughter has become my wife. Now will you still refuse me?' "'Yes,' replied Joan, "'but in return for that paper the half of my fortune is yours.' "'The half of your fortune?' explained Torres. "'Agreed, on condition that Mina brings it to me at her marriage.' And it is thus that you respect the wishes of a dying man, of a criminal tortured by remorse, and who has charged you to repair as much as he could the evil which he had done. It is thus. Once more, Torres, said Joan Garral, you are a consummate scoundrel. Be it so. And as I am not a criminal, we were not made to understand one another. And you refuse? I refuse. It will be your ruin, then, Joan Garral. Everything accuses you in the proceedings that have already taken place. You are condemned to death, and you know, in sentences for crimes of that nature, the government is forbidden the right of commuting the penalty. Denounced, you are taken. Taken... You are executed, and I will denounce you. Master, as he was of himself, Joan could stand it no longer. He was about to rush on Torres. A gesture from the rascal cooled his anger. Take care, said Torres. Your wife knows not that she is the wife of Joan da Costa. Your children do not know that they are the children of Joan da Costa, and you are not going to give them the information. Joan Garral stopped himself. He regained his usual command over himself, and his features recovered their habitual calm. "'This discussion has lasted long enough,' said he, moving toward the door, "'and I know what there is left for me to do.' "'Take care, Joan Garral,' said Torres, for the last time, for he could scarcely believe that this ignoble attempt at extortion had collapsed.' Joan Garral made him no answer. He threw back the door which opened under the veranda, made a sign to Torres to follow him, and they advanced toward the center of the jangada, where the family were assembled. Benito, Manuel, and all of them, under a feeling of deep anxiety, had risen. They could see that the bearing of Torres was still menacing, and that the fire of anger still shone in his eyes. In extraordinary contrast, Joan Garral was master of himself, and almost smiling. Both of them stopped before Yaquita and her people. Not one dared to say a word to them. It was Torres who, in a hollow voice, and with his customary impudence, broke the painful silence. "'For the last time, Joan Garral,' he said, "'I ask you for a last reply. "'And here is my reply.' and addressing his wife. Yaquita, he said, peculiar circumstances oblige me to alter what we have formerly decided as to the marriage of Mina and Manuel. At last! exclaimed Torres. Joan Garral, without answering him, shot at the adventurer a glance of the deepest scorn. But at the words Manuel had felt his heart beat as if it would break. The girl arose 
ashy pale, as if she would seek shelter by the side of her mother. Yaquita opened her arms to protect, to defend her. Father, said Benito, who had placed himself between Joan Garral and Torres, what were you going to say? I was going to say, answered Joan Garral, raising his voice, that to wait for our arrival in Para for the wedding of Mina and Manuel is to wait too long. The marriage will take place here, no later than tomorrow, and the Jangada, with the aid of Padre Passana, if, after a conversation I am about to have with Manuel, he agrees with me to defer it no longer. Ah, father, father, exclaimed the young man. Wait a little before you call me so, Manuel, replied Joan, in a tone of unspeakable suffering. Here Torres, with crossed arms, gave the whole family a look of inconceivable insolence. So that is your last word, said he, extending his hand toward Joan Garral. No, that is not my last word. What is it, then? This, Torres. I am master here. You will be off, if you please, and even if you do not please, and leave the Janganda at this very instant. Yes, this instant, exclaimed Benito, or I will throw you overboard. Torres shrugged his shoulders. No threats, he said. They are of no use. It suits me also to land, and without delay. But you will remember me, Joan Garral. We shall not be long before we meet. If it only depends on me, answered Joan Garral, we shall soon meet, and rather sooner, perhaps, than you would like. Tomorrow I shall be with Judge Ribeiro, the first magistrate of the province, whom I have advised of my arrival at Manaos. If you dare, meet me there. At Judge Ribeiro's, said Torres, evidently disconcerted. At Judge Ribeiro's, answered Joan Garral. And then, showing the pirogue to Torres, with a gesture of supreme contempt, Joan Garral ordered four of his people to land him without delay on the nearest point of the island. The scoundrel at last disappeared. The family, who were still appalled, respected the silence of its chief. But Fragoso, comprehending scarce half the gravity of the situation, and carried away by his customary vivacity, came up to Joan Garral. If the wedding of Miss Mina and Mr. Manuel is to take place to-morrow on the raft, yours shall take place at the same time, kindly answered Joan Garral, and making a sign to Manuel, he retired to his room with him. The interview between Joan and Manuel had lasted for half an hour, and it seemed a century to the family when the door of the room was reopened. Manuel came out alone, his face glowed with generous resolution. Going up to Yaquita, he said, My mother, to Mina, he said, My wife, and to Benito, he said, My brother, and turning toward Lina and Fragoso, he said to all, To-morrow. He knew all that had passed between Joan Garral and Torres. He knew that, counting on the protection of Judge Ribeiro, by means of a correspondence which he had had with him for a year past without speaking of it to his people, Joan Garral had at last succeeded in clearing himself and convincing him of his innocence. He knew that Joan Garral had boldly undertaken the voyage with the sole object of cancelling the hateful proceedings of which he had been the victim. 
so as not to leave on his daughter and son-in-law the weight of the terrible situation which he had had to endure so long himself. Yes, Manuel knew all this, and further, he knew that Joam Garral, or rather, Joam de Costa, was innocent, and his misfortunes made him even dearer and more devoted to him. What he did not know was that the material proof of the innocence of the fazender existed, and that this proof was in the hands of Torres. Joam Garral wished to reserve for the judge himself the use of this proof, which, if the adventurer had spoken truly, would demonstrate his innocence. Manuel confined himself, then, to announcing that he was going to Padre Pasana to ask him to get things ready for the two weddings. Next day, the 24th of August, scarcely an hour before the ceremony was to take place, a large pirogue came off from the left bank of the river and held the jangada. A dozen paddlers had swiftly brought it from Maneos, and with a few men it carried the chief of the police, who made himself known, and came on board. At the moment, Joam Garral and his family, attired for the ceremony, were coming out of the house. Joam Garral? asked the chief of the police. I am here, replied Joam. Joam Garral, continued the chief of the police, you have also been Joam de Costa. Both names have been borne by the same man. I arrest you. At these words, Yaquita and Mina, struck with stupor, stopped without any power to move. My father a murderer? exclaimed Benito, rushing toward Joam Garral. By a gesture, his father silenced him. I will only ask you one question, said Joam with a firm voice, addressing the chief of police. Has the warrant in virtue of which you arrest me been issued against me by the justice at Maneos, by Judge Ribeiro? No, answered the chief of the police. It was given to me with an order for its immediate execution by his substitute. Judge Ribeiro was struck with apoplexy yesterday evening, and died during the night at two o'clock without having recovered his consciousness. Dead! exclaimed Joam Garral, crushed for a moment by the news. Dead! Dead! But soon, raising his head, he said to his wife and children, Judge Ribeiro alone knew that I was innocent, my dear ones. The death of the judge may be fatal to me, but that is no reason for me to despair. And turning toward Manuel, Heaven help us, he said to him. We shall see if the truth will come down to the earth from above. The chief of the police made a sign to his men, who advanced to secure Joam Garral. But speak, father, shouted Benito, mad with despair. Say one word, and we shall contest, even by force, this horrible mistake of which you are the victim. There is no mistake here, my son, replied Joam Garral. Joam da Costa and Joam Garral are one. I am in truth Joam da Costa. I am the honest man whom a legal heir unjustly doomed to death twenty-five years ago in the place of the true culprit. That I am quite innocent I swear before heaven, once for all, on your heads, my children, and on the head of your mother. All communication between you and yours is now forbidden, said the chief of the police. You are my prisoner, Joan Garral, and I will rigorously execute my warrant. Joam, restrained by a gesture his dismayed children and servants. 
Let the justice of man be done while we wait for the justice of God. And with his head unbent, he stepped into the pirogue. It seemed, indeed, as though of all present Joan Garral was the only one whom this fearful thunderbolt, which had fallen so unexpectedly on his head, had failed to overwhelm. End of chapter 20